Let's get ready to rumble. Yes, we're back. Episode 52 of the Hibs Ramble. Just the two of us today, Liam and myself, Sean. How you doing, Liam? Just the two of us. We can make it if we try. I'm very well, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. Um, a lot better than I was yesterday afternoon, but we're definitely not going to start off on that nonsense that happened yesterday in Motherwell. We're going to take everyone back a few more days to what seemed like a long, long time ago, and we're going to quickly touch on what was a fantastic performance on Thursday night. Um, very briefly, Liam, what did you make of the game? I thought it was a superb game of football to watch, first and foremost. I think if I was a neutral watching it, um, I would have been pretty happy. I would have been entertained, um, which isn't always the best thing when, you're, when you've got a side watching watching the game. But, you know, it was it was a very, very good game of football between two, what looked like at the time, very good football insides. Um, I thought Lucerne were... They came in and implemented their game their game plan well, and I think we did exactly the same. And thankfully, in the end, we managed to get out on top. Yeah, I think Thursday's performance for me is one of the unfortunate, very few occasions where we've actually seen Lee Johnson's apparent style and philosophy that he wants to implement. Um, it's just a shame we've not seen that all so often in his what fifteen months in charge or thirteen, fourteen months in charge that we've had. What did um what did you make of the first half performance on Thursday night? Because I I watched it and I felt like we were we were just kind of riding the storm a wee bit and just kind of pick and choosing our moments and try to stay in the game and just nullify them a wee bit. I don't know. I I I've seen a lot of people kind of going with that sort of narrative, but I never really at any point thought that that like that they were a team that could you know was a split us split us open at ease. There was a couple of times that they turned it on, more notably at the end of the first half when they had that kind of passing triangle and eventually got the chance out. But I think we were just kind of, we're maybe just kind of casing them a wee bit first half, trying to find out what they were all about, what they were, how they were going to approach the game. And uh, you know, we had a, we had a couple of opportunities up up there, and not not loads, but you know, we we had a couple of sighters. You know, there was no. I didn't think there was a feeling at half time that we were like, oh, this is going to be an uphill battle again. Second half, I thought I'd, I'd actually said to my to my old man who I was at the game where I went, you know, this is a team that we really, really could beat here. Like it's not out with the realms of possibility that that we can we, we could beat this team. You know, most of the time when you come up in uh, in these kind of later qualifying rounds. You're coming up against teams that maybe you've never heard of before, but they are half decent. Um, and you know, I think everyone was kind of expecting expecting a doing, but you know, thankfully we've we've managed to score three goals and and come out with the three points. What uh, <laughs> what do we what do you think was more important, Joe Neal's block at the end of the first half? Or will beat us third goal to kind of give us that 2 0 push and what will be his third goal? I think so. Yeah. Um the block, the block is great. I think the block, if that if that went in, it would have been very difficult for us to to get back in it. Because it was right at the end of the first half, eh? It's yeah. a horrible time to concede. 
Yeah. Um, uh, that's a great question, actually. I, I do think we'll beat his goal, though, because if we go, if we went over there on Thursday with just the one goal splitting, splitting us and them, I think it would be a much more difficult task. I think it's still going to be quite a quite a difficult task, you know, going over there and you know and, and getting through. I mean, it's it's in no way a foregone conclusion. We need to play well again, um, but I think the fact that we we go over there with you know two goals. Um, to our advantage is a huge, huge factor. Yeah, I think we, we obviously started the second half really well in that game. Johnny O got what was a wonderful goal. We then obviously, uh, they obviously clawed one back, brought it to one all. And then the masterpiece that was the second goal, just, I think it was one of the best Hibs team goals I've seen in a while, if I'm being honest. Um, Johnny O's run, Obviously plays out to Stevenson. Stevenson plays it in the beautiful Berkemp-esque tap touch for Adam Lafondra and then popping it in and huge goal for uh, Dylan Venti as well. Out, you know, you didn't want to see a striker go too long new at a club without um, getting a goal. We've had a few. We've got a few of them at the club. We've had a few of them in the past. Lafondra got off the mark against St Mirren and obviously Venti's off the the mark already. And then Abita goes through. It was giving me. Shades of um, Bojang. Well, I was trying not to say his name without saying his name. He was giving me shades of Bojang going through, but thankfully managed to obviously slot it away. Out the out the three, we obviously know the third goal's uh, you know the most important now. Now that we know that we got the three goals, but which one was your favourite? Being being at the second, match, not necessarily being there. Yeah, the second, absolutely. Um, I, I sit, where I sit in the West is more or less where Joe Neal picked up the ball. So I was, you know, kind of at the base of the run and he was weaving in and out. Brilliant pass out to Stevenson. And then as soon as, as Alf takes that touch in the box, I, th- I initially thought he never meant it. And I was like, oh, what's going on here? And then when he spins back and and uh, and crosses in, you know it, it's only going to end up in one place. I've seen it back. I think I've watched that goal back, honestly, about a hundred times. And I'm, that's not even an exaggeration. I went to sleep on Thursday night thinking about that assist because I'm not sure I'm, a, I'm ever going to see anything like it Easter Road again. That was, and I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not even trying to exaggerate for, for dramatic purposes or for the purposes of the pod or anything. But I think. It is, you know, it's it's not a screamer of a of a finish. It's not a long range goal, but I think it's it's a, it's one of, if not the best goal I've ever seen live. <laughs> it's just no, good I'm, to see, it's just good to see that like Jonio does those kind of runs, you know, every two or three games where he he goes past three or four people and then plays it and then we lose the ball or we go back or whatever. It's just good to see that. The three individual pieces are are all coming together, and it all makes obviously what it was, which which is really good. What was your your feeling post match? Um, on the way home, and initially I was kind of like, oh yes, let's book the tickets for Birmingham, like get let's get a an apartment sorted. We're, we're on our way to go and play Villa, and 
I was already thinking about, oh, I'm, I'm buzzing to see John McGinn. But now I've had a few days and a defeat to kind of <laughs> settle my mind. Um, I think I'm still confident going into the second leg. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think it will be a very, very tough task. They are a good side. They had a couple of half-decent players. You know, their wee number 11. His name escapes me at the moment, but he was he was electric um, before he came off. Uh, I think there was, a, there was a couple of times he got in behind uh, of Lewis Miller. I thought Lewis Miller did very well up against them, but there was a couple of times where he got by him and they, they had a chance. But, you know, there's no... There's there's no way that we can go over there with any complacency because, you know, if if we do show complacency, I think we'll probably get punished. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And in typical Hibs fashion, we went from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows after yesterday. Um, what was your what was your thoughts initially on the on the team selection? I know in hindsight now that we go beat. You know, you can question the team selection, you can question the subs, but on first of Ewan, obviously Boyle and Lafondra benched, Ewan out altogether. Obita, Dodge and Jago um come in. Yeah, because Jago didn't Jago didn't start on the Thursday. Doyle Hayes and Campbell not even to be seen on the bench at all. On the on the mm-hmm. BBC radio pre match, there was no mention of Ewan in in Johnson's pre match comments. He only referred to Campbell actually having an issue or being out. There was no mention of Doyle Hayes having picked up anything. And I know the talk is that Ewan's maybe picked up a slight back issue. But again, nothing really confirmed for the club. So going into the Motherwell match, how did you think we were going to fare with the team selection and the bench that we had? I thought it was odd that Ewan and Campbell were out of the squad completely. Um, And I I understand that he needed to rotate the squad I think he said in his pre-match that you know, he'd learned his lessons from playing the same 11 um, on the Thursday night against the Andorans to then playing that same 11 against St Mirren. So I was expecting changes. Um, I would have liked to have seen us start with Alf and Venti up front still, however, um, just to get more minutes into the legs of that partnership. But, you know, the I wasn't surprised to see some rotation. I was I was a wee bit surprised he'll beat a come in because I thought he would probably be a nailed on starter for a uh, Thursday. And I, I don't know. It's just um, it's just one of them. I was a bit indifferent towards the the squad selection. Um, but I, you know, I understood that he needed to make the changes. Yeah, I think the, the concerning thing for me is that we all anyone with sense knew that Martin Boyle was going to be be on the bench. The concerning thing for me was we didn't really have any real threat on the bench other than him to come on, which then concerned me about you know Doyle Hayes not being there, Campbell being there, not being there, and, and Yuan not being there, because then we were then relying on if the game wasn't going our, in our way, in our favour, it was only Boyle and Lafondra really with any proven threat to come on. Um, you, I thought that, if, you, if you think about it, though, if, if El Yuan and Campbell and Doyle Hayes have all kind of picked up slight knocks through the week or in training or whatever, then and you would you risk them? No, no, you wouldn't. Would you, would, you, would you then risk them on the Sunday? 
and then if they got injured, they wouldn't be able to then play the Thursday. We'd be out with, without them for for even longer. Nah, so. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want them rest at all. But there's not been any clear communication for the club to say if they're out due to injury or not. Do you know what I mean? And I guess that's the car, the club keeping their cars close to their chest. I feel like with the amount of... They usually do with these sorts of things, though. I, I think with usually the amount do. So of... I don't think it's an awful cause for concern. I've seen an absolutely horrendous take saying on Hibs.net saying that Ewan's away, which or that he submitted a transfer request the day after he signed the contract. Listen, I know some mental things happen in football, but you know I can put my house on that. Definitely hasn't happened. Um, Absolutely hasn't happened. That's ridiculous. Just I wasn't, to put everyone at ease that's listening. I wasn't surprised that, that, that Deutsch came in. I was a bit surprised, similar to, to you, that um, Obita played. I kind of thought, considering all the talk on, on online with Johnson and the nonsense that he comes out in his interviews and the, the Twitter account that's been running, that's Johnson kind of seems like the type of guy that would that would look at Motherwell away and think, oh, Melkerson done it once upon a time. Maybe he'll just do it again here. He seems like that type of manager. So I actually thought we were going to get a front two in Melkerson and, and Deutsch and we were going to rest Venti because of obviously the how well Venti played during the week. I know obviously Melkerson's now pretty much away on loan, but it wouldn't have surprised me if, if we'd went with that kind of a side. And do you know what? Looking at that starting 11, it's still a starting 11 that should be beating a mother well, regardless of the fact that we played on the Thursday. A million percent. That's the frustrating thing, Sean, is that there's enough quality in there. You know, you look at how much money we've actually spent this season. And, you know, on in that starting 11, there was, well, at least 700,000 for Venti, if you know, the reports are to be believed. And that signing alone was probably, like, we probably paid more for Venti than Motherwell have paid for all of their signings combined. With all yeah. due respect to Motherwell, they just don't have the same budget as Hibs. Yeah. And the fact that we are then going there and we're, we're putting out a, a rotated 11, but it's a rotated 11 that is good enough to compete in the Scottish Premiership. So, and I, I know that it's football's not played on paper, it's played on grass. We had the better team on paper, but again, for the second league game in a row, we didn't want it as much as the opposition. We were read too easily by the opposition. And it's just... Well, I can't actually say that we were read too easily by the opposition, but from what I've seen... I, the I thing is, though, you, you make a great point by saying that, but I wouldn't. I've seen lots of lots of people say, you know, the whole Thursday Sunday, and we're, we're not up to it. And yeah, we might not have a strong enough squad to to compete, or we definitely don't have a strong enough squad to compete consistently. But we were too easily beat last season. We were too easy to read last season. So the defeat to Saint Mirren yeah. last week and the defeat the defeat to Motherwell yesterday is nothing new in regards to how we performed. We saw those level of performances far too often. Last season, the only difference is this season we're using Europe as an excuse rather than the fact that the players aren't up to it or they're not fit enough or they're not wanting it enough. Yeah, well, Paul Hamlin said in his post-match that the two games a week isn't, it's not affecting them. Yeah. But then Johnson comes out and says that it is affecting them. I know. So, you know, who are we to believe here? It's, It's all well and good going... Oh, but there's loads of teams who play two games a week. Hibs traditionally don't. 
we we've never been in the group stages of a European competition or in the latter stages of a European competition where you genuinely have to play two games a week for most of the season or like an English championship where they usually play Saturday, Wednesday or Saturday, Tuesday, you know, for for the full season more or less. You know, we've never been in that position. So it's it's an easy it's an easy, you know, excuse to go to. The players aren't used to it. And but the fact of the matter is, Sean, they're professional football players. They're fitter than you and me. They should be able to play a game on a Thursday, rest on the Friday, get into training on the Saturday, play on the Sunday. It, it's, it really shouldn't be... It let's, shouldn't um, be an excuse. Let's not forget that we've done a lot or what potentially could be all our summer transfer business done early doors we've got everyone in the door relatively early and yet we're still using the quality of squad as an excuse or we're using the level of fitness or the cohesion between them as an excuse and it just doesn't sit with me if I'm being honest considering you know if we didn't have the bodies in we would then be using well, that as an excuse we've got the bodies in so do you know what I mean let's well, just make sure that the about this right? yesterday right I was talking to Craig about this yesterday because I said listen we've we're only two games in and we've had nine signings. Um we need to, you know, kinda of give them a bit of, a bit of time for them to gel. And he went, I but Liam, two of the nine signings were here last season. Two of the nine signings are goalies. So that's four. Harbottle probably isn't going to get an awful lot of game time. So that's then five. So that takes your nine signings down to about four, you know, four signings, and that's what Venti, Levitt, Obita and uh, who's the other one? Come on, hit me with Sean. I can't remember. Venti Levitt will be our and. Nah. Ah, I can't remember either. Well, can't be that well, good. Lafondra, Lafondra, Lafondra. I bet it is a good player then. Lafondra. So it's it's, diff- it's it's a difficult one. I think whatever whatever you say, there's going to be. Uh, you know, a counter argument. The fact of the matter is, we're not playing well enough, and with the squad that we've got, we need to be playing better. Yeah. And that's that is just the bottom line. Like, there's there's not uh there's not a world where we should be getting back to back defeats against St Mirren and Motherwell. You know, with with all due respect, I thought St Mirren played excellently last Sunday. From what I've heard, um, Motherwell played really really well yesterday. But we shouldn't be second best against against these teams. We no. should be fighting. We should be wanting it. And it just sounds like at the moment we're on it. I know. It's what what frustrated me. We'll come obviously onto the game in more detail now. But what frustrated me about the the team selection and the shape was having a player like Jago in front of what is already a back three anyway. Um, I just I feel like it def- defeats purpose. However, it allowed Levitt to play a little bit higher up and had that freedom to try and press higher, which I thought he'd done relatively well in the first half. Uh, he'd done it and created a chance for himself, albeit no one really had pass marks in the first half either. The game kind of just passed everyone by. We couldn't really get it in, into control. And what, like every other week, frustrated me about Lee Johnson's post-match interview is he mentioned that we didn't feed the strikers or the attacking players enough, hence the changes at half-time. 
So if you if you were to then not look at the changes that you he made, you would then suspect that he's taken off a defender or a holding midfielder or whatever to try and get more attacking threat on the park. When in reality, he takes off Venti, who is an attacker, and Levitt, who is playing further forward, and then brought on Boyle and Lafondra. So his post-match comments in that aspect of it didn't add up. Um, now, in the 35 years that Lewis Stevenson has been playing week in, week out for Hibs, <laughs> I could probably count on one hand the amount of times someone's been able to bully him and get in behind. I'm not sure if you've seen the goals back, but I've I've seen the goals. I've seen the goals yeah, now. First, the first one, he tries to be. To be fair to Lewis, he tries to be far, he, tries, he tries to be smart, get in front of the boy, give him a wee nudge, and then tries to kick the ball away. But boy gets in, um, bullies him, rags ragdolls him to the ground, plays it in. Um, very unfortunate, very rare for Lewis Stevenson, and unfortunate. You know these mistakes are kind of creeping in a little bit more, which is natural when you when you're asking someone of his age and ability to play week in, week out, or twice a week in this instance. What what frustrated me is that, um, and I know we've, we we big um, Jago up quite a lot, and rightly so when when he plays well, and then, you know, we're very quick to criticise him when he doesn't play well, but for me, he was another passenger on Sunday, and the first goal just epitomised that. Um no communication between him and Will Fish, who again, Will Fish, not played a single good game since he came back to the club. He seems a bit all over the place as well, I think, in my opinion. Um, you don't think he played well on Thursday? Nah, not overly. I don't think he was overly tested. Down that side, it was more Hanlon's side, and down our left side, that we feel we were well, tested. Hanlon was great on Thursday as well. Um, Hanlon was great. Jago and Fish just don't communicate at all. Jago points, but again, there's no shout, and just lets the the runner run by, and then obviously we're one 0 down. Um, I don't know what your take on the disastrous defending there was. Yeah, it's a very very poor goal to give away. Um, I watched it earlier on, and I was surprised to see, you know, the state of Lewis Stevenson on in, on that left hand side. I, I'm not too sure who who the fellow was who was ragged on him, but Christ Almighty, he must be one strong guy. He made Lewis Davidson look like a wee boy. It's a it's a good pullback, and like you say, there's there's no communication. I think Jago is probably more at fault. He's, you know, when you're in that situation, you've got to be touch tight to your man, and he's a yard a yard and a half off his man, and then he lets him run by in front of him, which, you know, you're taught from when you're a wee laddie, you need to get goal side. It's a cardinal sin to let your to let your man run in front of you like that, and he, and he did. And we find ourselves one goal down. Listen, I'm not. I think it's it's a. I'm not trying to pin the blame on Jago. Not trying to pin the blame on Lewis Stevenson. I think the goal could have been defended a lot better, you know, by the whole of the back line. But you know, uh, these things happen. It is what it is. You can't be perfect all the time. These mistakes are going to happen at a club of our stature. So. I don't know. It is a poor goal to give away, though it is very, very poor. I think the second goal for me is even poorer. I think the first one, the second one is so much more preventable. Um, long ball in the middle, and you're thinking on the face of it, Wolfish deals with that every day of the week. Either body checks the boy, 
yeah. hooks out the park, plays it back to Marshall and we start again, or he does a Ryan Porteous and buys a foul and falls to the ground. I think all of those options would have been a better better choice. Instead, he tries to bring it down, yeah. tries to turn them. Boy reads them, gives them a wee shove, which for me is not a foul. It's allowed in, in this game. I don't think it should be a foul, albeit no one claims for it at all. Maybe if it, people claimed for it, it might have got looked at. I don't if he know. he goes down, it's maybe a foul. Yeah. Just, he's just not, not game smart enough. And I think that's maybe you know experience or lack of. Um, I know Brian Porteous was very, very good at it. And I think... If he had maybe spent a little bit more time with him, could have learnt, you know, the dark arts of the game. Paul Hanlon's not really one of the dark arts, is he? So um, <laughs> I do feel like Will Fish could have done a lot better. That being said, Marshall is trying to communicate with him before he tries to bring it down. It does look like he's either asking for it or asking him to punt it out, and he doesn't. Dwells on it, and then he's got that that boy's got Fish and Hanlon doing three sixties in the middle of the box. Puts them yeah. both side and then obviously a good finish and, and Marshall is fizzing with the boy, isn't he? Um is well fizzing with fish anyway, wants it wanted it punted out the park, but just terribly dealt with. Well it was what three chances that Will Fish had to win the ball back. I think two good chances from a from a lump it, I think when it when it first comes over, you know, the boy's obviously given him a little bit. So I'm not too sure why Fish isn't giving him a bit back. You know, even if he gives away a foul in that area of the park, I think Hanlon's back far enough that he wouldn't be last man. Um, you know, and it's it's not in too dangerous a position to give away a free kick. Um, uh, the first attempt of trying to get it down under control is poor. If it was me, that ball would have been over the stand, over the main stand, smashing yeah, a car window on Both. the main road. Then, you know, obviously the boy gets past him, he gets back and misses the first tackle, which I think he could have just flung his leg at it and and it could have went. Then the boy goes again and gets past Fish once more. And I think then Fish has still got a really good chance to stick a foot in and get the ball back. Maybe not to clear it, but to, to stick a foot in, maybe put the boy off. And... You know, when we're given attackers two two opportunities, like to get themselves open for a shot in the box, you know, we're we're shooting ourselves in the foot. We've only got ourselves to blame. It's a it's a spectacular finish, though. It's a great great finish to then cut it back down to Marshall's right, and you know, Marshall can't really do anything about that. That same, you know, I said for the last goal, well, I don't really want to blame it particularly on one player, but you, you can't really see past Will Fish for that one. No. I'm afraid it's it's doesn't look great. A poor first half as well, uh, Will Fish. He seemed to be getting bullied quite a bit and it's very uncharacteristic of him considering the second half to, to last season. And it's not as if he's, you alluded to earlier on, it's not as if he's playing with new players next time. He would have trained week in, week out with Lewis Miller, Stevenson played with Paul Hanlon and that's what made him so strong. So to see him contribute to you know, one of the goals against St Mirren, which obviously prior to us losing the penalty he was he was involved in that. Some will say he was at fault for the one on Thursday, which I don't agree with because he was in a zonal area. For me it was whoever it was that fell in the box. I think it was Lewis Miller and Joe Neal collided together. 
Um, so I don't see him at fault for that goal, but yeah, he's definitely at fault for that one. It's just a very weird start to the season that he's having, and considering the players he's been playing with, it's it's uncharacteristic. So hopefully he can put in I a think good it was Craig that touched on it the other week, Sean, that the fact now that, you know, Will Fish has had this poor start to the season, or poorer start to the season than we would have hoped for, it seems bizarre that, you know, he, he signed on the dotted line when he was in Edinburgh with Man United, but then he then went away to go and play with the dev squad in America. You know, would it not have made more sense to get him in? And, you know, if it is, you know, teething problems with, with the new players or whatever it is, would, I mean, I think either way, if you were a returning loan or a new player coming in, the more time that you've got to get yourself prepared for the team that you're going to be playing in, the better. And surely Man United must have thought that as well. Like, it's why why take them all the way to the States to play in a friendly against fucking Rex? Like, why? Especially when they'd already signed for Hibs. Were they trying, were they maybe trying to get a, a last minute offer in from somebody else watching the game? I fucking knows, man. Yeah, no, I don't know. And do you know what? I don't think obviously touched on the changes that we made at half time. I don't and then obviously Henderson comes on, Melkerson comes on. I don't think there was any changes that could have happened at any point in that game that would have swung the momentum in our way. But I just it was one of those games that like I said earlier on, we've seen it far too often last season. We didn't seem to play what is the apparent Lee Johnson way, trying to win the ball back high and early fast attack in football, not really too caring about possession, wanting to get forward. It just, it, it wasn't, it wasn't Hibs, it wasn't what we would expect to see. Um, what, what needs to improve for you coming into, into what is a, what is a big, another big game? Because for me, I don't, listen, I love Lewis Stevenson as much as an ex-Hibs fan and I'm not trying to single out, single him out here. I'm just thinking that Against St Mirren, we ended up going with like a 3-4-3, 3-5-2. And then during the week on Thursday, we went for the same similar kind of shape at one point as well. And then we played the same shape the whole time at the weekend. And it seems like we were doing that to accommodate Jordan Obita down the left side and Lewis Stevenson on the inside. And I don't think we need a back five against the likes of St Mirren or Luzerne, St Mirren or Motherwell. I think we do need it against the Luzerne, but... Does he just not trust Obita at left back defensively? Or is he wanting more It seems like a bit of a Steve Clark way Robertson and Tierney situation, doesn't it? Well, they're just so as got, each other, eh? So. Yeah, we've got those left backs. We need to try and shoehorn them into the same team. Um, I don't, I don't know. It's you know, Lewis Stevenson's been a first team Hibs player, like a first team star, like you say, that feels like for about twenty years, but. You know, in the whole time that he's he's been here, even up till now when he's been, well, what age is he now? Thirty five, thirty six, maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, no one's dethroned him of that left back spot, and whether that's because we're signing duds at left back or the fact that Lewis Stevenson is just our best our best option, you know, I, I don't know, but I think to go back to your point about what what do we need to do to to turn our form around. We just need to, I know it's, it's a magic word, but we just need to be more consistent. We know the players can play well. It's not like we are looking at that squad of players and going, where's the, where's the goals coming from? 
where the chance is coming from. Because we know where the chances and the goals are going to come from. We just need to make sure that we play every game like we're playing against Andorran Plumbers. Simple as that. Do you think subconsciously, either by the coaching staff, the manager or the players, the fact that we have this carrot of Villa in front of us, how big a part do you think that's playing? Because if rumours are allowed to be believed, before TV money, we'd be getting just short of 700 grand if we get through, which basically pays for the Venti deal, which the club would be absolutely delighted with. And then you've got the TV money on top of it. You've got people like John Newell in the middle of the park, who's a blue through and through, and he'd be getting to play at Villa Park against his boyhood rivals. Do you think that plays as big a part as it is looking like? Or I do, think you think, or do you asked, think it is genuine, just like tiredness and wrong team selection and a mixture of poor selection? I think if you ask anyone at the club, they'll say, no, it's not It's not a factor. We're fully focused on Luzerne, but it's, it's one of them. It's very, very difficult not to cast an eye towards Villa. We're 3-1 up at half-time in the tie. We're in a very, very good position. So I think if I think if people at the club are saying it's not something that we're thinking about at this moment, and they're probably telling a wee porky pie. You know, I'm thinking about Villa. So I'm I'm sure I'm sure the players are as well. Um, I don't think it's yeah, I don't think it's getting discussed. I think just subconsciously no, it's no, keeping everybody's minds. So. I don't think like that, but I think it will be playing on on. You know, the players, the staff, uh, you know, even like down to Ben Kensal and, you know, the, the recruitment team, Brian McDermott and stuff, I think it will be on everyone's minds. It's it's very, very, you know, focal at the moment. The fact if we get through Luzerne, we've got Aston Villa, you know, European, European heavyweights for this competition, at least, you know, European Cup winners, Premier League giants. Um, you know, it's a, it's a very, very tasty tie and it will earn the club a hell of a lot of money I think it would be it would be you know complacent to have the conversations about it but it's surely you know on everyone's mind you know it'll be on your mind Sean it absolutely will be on your mind I can guarantee that I organise my non-working day to make sure it fits in with whatever Thursday that we are playing Aston Villa not that we might be playing Aston Villa we are playing Aston Villa I've got my travel down sorted my work How are you well. getting there? It's happening. I'll be, I'll, I'll be leaving here early doors on the Thursday and I'll be making the trip back up same day. All right, I'll come down with you then. Sorted. Sweet. Sweet as an bringing, um, bringing Thursday and Sunday's game to a close, a couple of thoughts. There's been a lot of talk online about the flares that were thrown on the pitch from the famous five lower end on Thursday night. Or player, sorry, should I say. Um, only one was caught up with the TV. So, and today and last night, a lot of uh, pictures and talk about the breaking of the seats in the Motherwell away end. Before I put my two pence in about it, on, on those two points, the breaking of the seats is out of order. There's no need for that in any in any walk of life. You know, you should be able to compose yourself to. A, a standard, you know, whatever team you support, whatever age you are, 
doesn't matter. You should be able to compose yourself to a standard where you're not you're not destroying a club's property. You wouldn't do it at Easter Road. So why would you do it at any other stadium? No, Ibrox, fair enough, but no, I'm kidding on. Um, it's, it's not, it's, it really isn't on. I've never agreed with it. I, I just, I don't think it's right. The flares, it's, this is, this for me is a bit of a, it's, I'm, I don't really care that much about flares being thrown on the pitch. Um, I get though where the Hibs ground staff are coming from on Thursday night. You know, we've just paid a lot of money. Was it about a million pound or something for this brand new hybrid yeah, pitch? It's, it's not. Yeah, that's the problem. It's not all grass. So it's not just as yeah. easy as. So and it kills the grass. But I think that point is now being conveyed. I've seen. Um, I've seen the, the Hibs groundsman on Twitter talking about it, saying that it kills the section of the grass. They need to reseed it and relay it or whatever they need to do. I'm sure someone will, will pull me up on the correct terminology, but I can almost guarantee that the person who threw the smoke bomb at that time was not, if they'd have thought, this is going to cost the club X amount of money, I'll, I'm not going to do this. You know, I, I, they weren't thinking about that. We just scored to go ahead, you know, in a, in a European tie that we're expected to get beat. So, I can see it from both sides. It, it shouldn't be happening. I think there's a place for your smoke bombs and your flares inside football stadiums. I think it does enhance the atmosphere. You look at the Luzerne, the Luzerne fans on Thursday night and they had um, you know, the flares and the smoke bombs and stuff and it, it looked really, really good and they didn't throw any on the park. So, you know, it, it must be easy enough to set these things off, do it safely and dispose of them within where you're standing, where you're sitting, um, and that it's not going to, you know, hurt anyone or harm anyone. So I think there's there's lessons to be learned, but you don't ever learn lessons if you don't do anything wrong. So I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go ham on anyone. The, the the thing for the thing for me is I know obviously naturally because of where the two instances have happened naturally the blame has fallen on. Block seven um, wasn't at either games, so I don't necessarily know if they were involved, if it was someone that was aligned with said group, or if it was just people in and around it. Obviously, they would they want to get as many people involved in that famous five lower area or in and around them at away games to enhance the atmosphere, and they've certainly done that and are continuing to do it. I think whoever it was that was involved in the two instances is hopefully learned their lesson. I think I completely agree with your point. There is a place in, in stadiums for flares. I think it does enhance it. I obviously couldn't make the game on, on Thursday and I managed to catch the majority of it in the house. And I, the commentator made a great point. I can't remember who it was. Um, but they, and I don't know how you felt in the stadium at the time, but when that flare was thrown on the pitch, it seemed like we had a real momentum behind us. Yeah, and it killed it. such a high pace and the flare killed that a wee bit because we had to wait on the nonsense of all of that. And that's probably where my gripe more comes from. Whereas if you're in the ascendancy and there is a bit of momentum your way, 
that is then just taking two, three minutes out of it where the players probably just wanted to get the ball, get started again and keep the tempo mm. up and it killed it. Yeah, um, no, I, I remember because I watched the game back on the iPlayer um, on the Friday and uh, I remember hearing, I think it was Rory Loy um, that said, no, it's killed the momentum. Hibs obviously wanted to get back into the into the swing of things and go for another goal. Like I said earlier, I don't think the people who have who've done this have thought about that at all. And if they had thought about it, then probably wouldn't have done it. You know, I think there's a there's a lot of it seems to happen a lot in British football culture that these things get thrown onto the playing surface. I don't think you see it an awful lot in, you know, European like Turkey or or whatever like that. You know, Greece have got a, a big ultras culture. I don't think there's an awful lot of throwing of the pyro onto the park in in those countries. So maybe we could we could take a leaf out of their book, keep it safe. It's. I mean, I'm I'm not against it. I'm 100% for you know, your pyro and your smoke bombs and everything. I think it looks great. Um, and it certainly paints Block 7 in a very, very good light. People look at that and go, oh, that's class. So I think if there's a way that, you know, these people who are making those, you know, lapses of judgment can, you know, just take a split second to think and then not throw it on the park... That's, that's, literally, that's, literally, yeah. that's literally all we're saying though is don't throw it on the park do it safely dispose it safely you know I'm, we're probably sounding like a pair of grumpy old bastards here but that's it's the you know, it'll be, it'll be frustrating like. for the, the Block 7 boys though because if it's not someone then I don't think it is based on where it's either been thrown from or, or, or where the chairs have been broken it seems to be those in and around that area I think mm. it, it's only going to paint a negative picture for them unfortunately yeah going to harm the good work that they are continually doing and the club are slowly getting closer and closer with them and you don't want any reason for that to go backwards and then they've got to yeah. try and repair the damage so yeah hopefully you know it'll be frustrating for them especially if it's not anybody involved with them so I've got to feel for them as well yeah and the whole breaking of the chairs is just an absolute nonsense it this isn't this isn't an isolated incident though no. with just Hibs no Sean this is oh, every single not. Not. this is but. every single club in Scotland um you know more namely I think Hibs Hearts uh, Aberdeen Celtic and Rangers probably get a worse name for it because you know, whenever the bigger teams do it, it gets more documented. But, you know, there's every single team in the country is, you know, has broken a chair or has thrown a pyro on the park at some point or another. So, you know, this is in no way me slamming Hibs or Hibs fans or Block 7 at all. This is just the, the culture that we've got in this country and probably the whole of Britain. You know, keep the pyro in the stands, keep it safe and uh, let the game go and make it look good Correct. in the stands. doesn't think, need to be on the pitch. No, I think people just forget that we get charged as a club for the repairs. They don't think about that at the time. No. They don't think about that at the time. You know, you're, well, I would say you know what it's like, but you don't really. When you're at a game and you're boozed up and you're like, oh, come on. Da, da, da. So, you know, listen, it's, it's, it's mistakes. Some effort, some effort breaking chair, I know. You are? 
it's some effort to break a chair. I've seen it happen at Motherwell. I don't know. The ones at Motherwell are maybe Kyle McGuinness's knees. They're brittle as anything, man. Um, when they, they break if Craig Leach sat on them. That's enough to move on. <laughs> one, of the, one of the few good things from yesterday is we have our second pie review of the season. Which pie is the best in the pie review? Which pie is the best in the pie review? Liam, would you like to hit us with the second pie review of the season from yes, Mark himself? This is on behalf of Mark Duncan. Um, so we're kind of taking a little bit of a different route for the pie review this season. Last season, we were steak pies and steak pies only. Um, this season, we have gone for kind of getting a new one, <laughs> get anything you want on the menu. And... Um, the more kind of obscure it is, the the better, the better for the score. So we have added, uh, we've added a category. So last season we had temperature, fill in, uh, crust, and the price. This year we have got a fifth category, which is uniqueness, which brings the pies total scores instead of to twenty to twenty five. So Motherwell yesterday, Mark had a chicken curry pie. His tasting notes were as follows. Was on the cold side, which also meant it was dry. Barely any chicken and essentially a thin layer of filling inside. £3.50, which is pretty average. Crust was quite nice and crunchy, but that was its only saving grace. Absolute bang average pie and simply no excuse given. I was at the ground fairly early. I take back my point that I said earlier on about the only good thing about the game. That seems like to be a, even worse than the performance on the pitch. That's so funny. And his breakdown, his breakdown of categories, and it goes temperature two, filling two, uniqueness two, crust four, price three. So that is six, ten, thirteen out of twenty-five, which is that's pretty poor. That's pretty pretty poor. Considering um, this was a. Uniqueness was a two, right? Well, so, I will check you know, yeah. You get them at more or less every ground. I think when we're talking about the uniqueness side of things, and you know, there's only a few grounds that I've been to that do like a kebab pie, or do like a lasagna pie, or do like a. Help me out here, Sean. And Some, those, those clubs will get fair, fairly rewarded for their uniqueness in their, that's in their the, marks. That's the thing. That's the thing that's going to bump up. It's going to bump Correct. right up these scores. So that gives Motherwell uh, an all right 13 out of 25. We'll so thank you, Motherwell, for being the first cinch Premiership review of the season. Moving on to what we are both hoping will be a very, very successful uh, Thursday night. And we're going to quickly preview Little Luzerne second leg. I'm going to keep it nice and short and sharp um, considering everything that we've already discussed and we've already touched on the game in, in detail to an extent so far. Um, what changes do you expect to see uh, going into Thursday? So do you think we're going to see like a 4-3-3, a 3-4-3 three, 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 
a 3-5-2 or could we literally see a 5-4-1 or a 5-6? A not 5-6, a 5-5. No playing a goalie, just play well, five David defenders Marshall's and six goalie, midfielders. So say what you want about that. <laughs> um, I don't know. It, it all depends who's available. If Yuan and Campbell are back fit again, you know, we might see Yuan starting ahead of Obita. Um, I think it would be daft of us to go there and from minute one try and defend the lead. I think that would be a poor decision because then we're just inviting pressure for 90 minutes. And then and we'll if, change up our approach and try and bomb exactly. Yeah, I think we need to go there and and play how we did in the first leg. And if by halftime we're 2-0 down and it's 3-3 on aggregate, then we need to change approach. I think we need to go there, um, be like sharks, go around being aggressive and biting things and <laughs> and um, you know, try and try and nick an early goal, ideally. But you know, I think the best form of defence is attack. I'd like to see a similar performance to the first half of, of Thursday. Obviously I'd like to see the second half performance as well, but yeah, I just want to keep just try and keep them at arm's length, you know, deal with what comes into our box, defend our box well when needed, and choose our moments going forward. Um, it, it, the attacking players that we have on the pitch will be vital. I wonder if maybe that's why you was rested altogether because of his pace. We might mm-hmm. literally we might literally see a front two a Boyle and Yuan, and then everybody else going full old school Neil Lennon at Rugby Park with like eight defenders on the pitch. So. Bring back Nick Mikkel Nellum. What a hair he had. What a set of hair he had. How um how do you think what we'll a get set of hair? What a set of hair. What a set of hair. Set of hair. What uh what do you think we need to do to get a result? Do you think we need to be measured? Do you think we do need to kind of go all out attack like you said? Or um do you think I, it will I be a case of just going, I don't think I'd set up Sean going all out attack. I think you're probably right in what you're saying. We kind of need to case them out a wee bit like we did last Thursday. See how they're going to approach the game. I think that's I think that's how we did it, though. I, I think we we observed how they were approaching the game and then we made changes based upon that to try and get behind them, and it completely worked. So I think we just need to do something similar. Um most importantly, keep it tight. If we can nick an early goal, then brilliant. If we can't, then you know we just need to make sure that we are trying to we we are dictating the game like like we did second half. I feel like Luzerne dictated a lot of that first half, but I think we let them. Um, we let them. We we weren't chasing the game or anything. I don't think so. If we have another first half performance like we did last Thursday, in the first half this Thursday, then. And I'll be pretty happy, especially if we're going score another couple of goals. And we have a we have a ramble first on on Thursday night, don't we? Sure There's do. a huge huge event happening on YouTube on um, Thursday night, not to be missed. Would you like to tell everyone a little bit more about it, Liam? Yes, we're doing a watch along live. So Craig and I um, will be here in Edinburgh on YouTube watching the game. And if you would like to watch the game as well and join in and talk to us uh, through it, ask questions, chat about the game, ask what's for dinner, 
etc etc um, then you're more than welcome to join um, we'll be hosting it live on YouTube all the comments will be open we'll be having a chat with you all it's the first time that we've ever done anything like this apart from like your Twitter spaces and stuff so we're really really looking forward to it Mark is going to be in Switzerland so we're hoping that at some point um, throughout the evening we will be able to hear from Mark who has now been affectionately named our Switzerland correspondent um, so yeah, we're we're really really looking forward to it. It's all kicking off on our, our YouTube channel at half past seven on Thursday for a seven forty five kickoff. Um, so if you would like to, if you'd like to join, then just head over to our YouTube channel half seven on Thursday, or you can click the link that I'm going to put in the description wherever you're listening, um, and I'll take you to the video. And all you need to do is click notify me and then you'll be notified by YouTube when we go live. Fantastic. Now, to bring us to our almost close, we move on to everyone's favourite, the listener questions. Now it's time to enter the hip Ramble listener questions. You know how it is. Start nice and juicy. Hit me with it. The bottom line is, Sean, I don't know. I don't know what I'm having for tea. Megan has just been shopping. I don't know what she's brought in. Did she go um, shopping on an empty stomach? I don't know if she did or not. Because shopping, doing a food shop on an empty stomach is possibly the best and worst it's thing. It's dangerous, isn't it? Do because it's terrible for the bank balance, but it's great for the belly. So you could be in for a treat. Well, I also need to go out to Sainsbury's because I need to get milk for for Tommy, because she couldn't get that in Aldi's, where we usually do the wheat shop. She couldn't get the one that, that he, he likes. So I need to go to Sainsbury's, so I will have a look through the bags, and if there's nothing that I like, then I will get something at Sainsbury's. I'm sorry, John, that's a pish answer. That's a pish answer, mate, but um, that's the truth. I could have made something up, but I'm not that guy. I'm not a liar. I had coronation chicken curry. Um, and I had it with brown rice because that's all we had and the brown rice ruined it but mm. the sauce the sauce and the chicken were delish I've but, never actually had brown rice I had brown pasta I don't really tell can't really tell much of a difference but brown rice feels like it, 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 you actually can tell the difference because all the different shapes of rice all taste a wee bit different you know what I mean it's just a bit harder mm. just, did you not cook it for long enough uh, put, we've got a rice cooker for that so I've done this job. Of course you do. Uh, Gav Dick, extremely dull yesterday. I hope that everyone is is pissed, but surely as he's managed 500 plus games, I know he... Right, okay, nah. Now, now I know what you have to put up with. <laughs> um, I know that everyone is pissed, but surely as he's managed 500 games, surely... He can play a way of football which goes away from his own supposedly attacking style, which is unseen by all Hibs fans at the moment, to try and get us a result, or results, should I say. And he makes a great point, and I think I've made that point quite a few times, that how experienced a manager do you need to be to be a little bit smarter, to know what you need to get a result. And it is well, very so interesting. Look at Thursday and look how, we, look how we reacted on Thursday. thought... We were 
We played the game perfectly on Thursday. But then that's the point. He's had over 500 games. He's played in a league where you play Thursday, Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday all the time. He's had probably squads that are weaker than ours. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's frustrating. It is yes. frustrating. It is frustrating, but... What, what are you actually going to do? Are you going to sack him? Nah. The board won't be doing that anytime soon, no. Speaking of sacking him, though, Jeff Ashton has asked, um, if there is to be a tipping point for Lee Johnson and the board decide enough is enough, what will that tipping point be? If we haven't already reached it, which I don't think we have, for me, it would be defeat and elimination on Thursday and Wraith do us on Sunday. And I think that I think the Wraith bit is is huge because I listen, we've got thirty six league games left, right? It's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. Teams start the league poor and end well all the time. Aberdeen done it last season, Hearts done it. The Hearts have done it the last couple of seasons where they've started well and then tailed off. So we done it under Neil Lennon, didn't start too well and then ended very well. It it happens. But the the Wraith bit for me is a great point that he makes because if that was to happen, I definitely don't think there would be many Hibs fans still backing them. I think, surprisingly, I think the board still would, but only because of, obviously, the amount of money that they've given them and they want to give them the time to implement, quote-unquote, his players. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't think there would be a way back, especially for the fans, if, if we got put out by Wraith as well. I think it would definitely leave a lot of fans in the Johnson out camp. I, I can't say for sure whether it would leave me in the Johnson out camp or not. Um, as I'm saying this, I don't think it, it would. I say that, um, I don't know if I mentioned it in the Rambo group chat, but I was going, well, you know, we've spent probably close to about £2 million this summer. Whether we've spent more than that or a little bit less than that, I'm not too sure. What's the point in then parting ways with a manager who's brought in this amount of investment in the squad to then bring someone else in who might not fancy Venti, who might not fancy Lever or Yuan. So then what's going to happen? We are back at square one. I feel like the, the fallout of getting rid of Lee Johnson if, if the board were to sack him would be worse than what we're getting at, at the moment. Yeah. That's a great point. Very rare from yourself there. Thanks, Sean. I really appreciate that, mate. Uh, that is Prickus. Um, Motherwell? Question mark. Yeah, That's just all right. It's fine, thanks. Also, someone wearing your merch. That's class. It's absolutely uh, class. Phenomenal. I think myself, at every Hibs game or any Hibs event, whether it be on the TV or in person, I now find myself going out of my way to look at people's clobber. That's are they wearing the t-shirt? Are they wearing the track top? Have they got the hat on? And there's boys in my group chat that are or group chats that are sending me pictures of just random people wearing all their stuff. <laughs> and I find myself taking pictures of random people wearing all their stuff. Yeah, I've yeah, been doing that as well. It's, it's a slippery slope that like can't even be doing that, but no, it is it's some buzz. Uh, the first time I saw people wearing it was the it was the six one against Inter Discaldes, and it was some buzz, and I was like, "Oh, that's class." Then on Sunday, uh, Sunday not just Sunday gone, but Sunday against St Mirren, 
seen a few people wearing it there and I was like, oh, that's brilliant. And even like the third time that I'd seen people wearing it and that was at Luzerne last Thursday, I was like, oh, this is bound to wear off sometime. But it really hasn't. It's, it's some buzz and it kind of, it, it, like it, it means an awful lot that people have went out their way and they're wearing this stuff that, that we've come up with it's it is a, it's, it's just mental so keep an eye out because there's more stuff coming correct more tremendous clobber um, Liam Baldry's asked uh, or not asked sorry he's lost the support now can't see a way back defeats you can accept but not in that manner which is a great point <laughs> when, when was that sent in on Sunday evening or like uh, just after the game. We sent at quarter to eight on Sunday. Yes, oh, quarter right, to eight yeah. on Sunday. If you've calmed down now, Liam, let us know. Uh, <laughs> we are relying on Hanlon and Stevenson playing ninety minutes every week. That's not a dig at them. Just shows how poor we've recruited yet again. Who said that? Liam. Oh. I haven't finished. I was just emphasising um, certain certain points of his statement. I, I can I can agree to an extent. Um, I think for the last few years, there's kind of been talk of X is going to be Hanlon's replacement, Y is going to be Stevenson's replacement, and it's never been brought to fruition. Whether that is Hanlon and Stevenson then hit new heights, because I think over the last couple of years, especially, the, their both of their forms have been, you know, pretty good, as good as they have been. Um, whether it's poor recruitment and we're bringing in players that aren't good enough to then take over or or whatever, I'm not too sure, but you know, we're gonna need to replace them one day and you know the sooner we get sooner we get the replacements in to then become ready made when we need them, the better. Uh, DGW underscore eighty, that is the username and the name. Um it's not good enough. We're far too inconsistent. The SPFL is our main thing and we're letting teams run through us. LG needs to go. If he stays on longer with this pitch, the fans will, we assume that's his, meant to say, walk away 100%. And I get the frustration. I understand that my frustration last season, Liam, was how, inc- how consistent we were inconsistent. Yeah. Very good at it. And I just don't want it to happen again. But listen, I'll happily take the two defeats if it meant that we then go on an incredible run and finish third or fourth at the end of the season and we get a trip down to Villa. Do you know what I mean? It's just at the moment yeah. I get how tempers and frustrations are so high. It's very, very easy. And I'm not I'm not, you know, having a go at anyone who is having a go at Lee Johnson. Personally for me, I don't think that at the moment it's a problem. I can understand why people do think it's a problem. Maybe maybe I'm a happy clapper. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe I've got... Maybe, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not too sure what it is, but I think it's very easy as a football fan. And I've been there. I've been there with a lot of Hibs managers. I'm not there at the moment with Johnson. Very easy to then have that reaction and go, he needs to go, he needs to go. I think... With if we hadn't have had, you know, Ross, Maloney, and Heckenbottom all leave, you know, pretty soon after they started, and every time a manager left and a new one came in, we didn't get any better, and then we sacked them. If 
if we'd have had like two long serving managers, three, four seasons, you know, back to back where we'd seen a rise and then maybe a a a, a fall and he got sacked, then maybe the fans wouldn't be as quick to jump on the manager's back. I think we've maybe done it to ourselves as a club. Um, and it's maybe the board thinking we kind of need to stick with this guy for the moment. Yeah. But when does it then become too much? On the other hand, on the flip side, I think the fans will walk away at some point. There's a lot of the fans that, you know, quite rightly so, in their minds, really don't like him. And, you know, how long can the board stand and watch that happen? I'm not too sure. Speaking of getting rid of the manager, Harvey Scott's pretty much asked the same thing, that I get that everyone is wanting LG out, but realistically, who do we get instead of him? No one in our league is likely to move, and I'm sick of the gash coming in from the EFL, and it's a fantastic point because... I've seen Derek McInnes's name be being bandied around. Oh, if we get see if we sat Lee Johnson in the morning and got I Derek McInnes, and I think I would I be sick. And I also don't think that Hibs would pay money to get him because they would want to improve on Lee Johnson. They're not then going to go and get someone that's in the Championship or League One of Scotland who's not tried and tested. So therefore, what are we left to go and do? We're left to go down south or go abroad. And if we go abroad, you're then taking another punt. We took a punt yeah. on Sean Maloney, it didn't work. We've now brought in a manager that's got 500 games and we're now trying to back him as best we can, rightly or wrongly. Um, we, rightly or wrongly, again, sacked Paul Heckenbottom really soon in his tenure and, and look at him now. Wouldn't you mind getting him back at the moment if LG was to go? I loved it when he was at the wheel. I had a cracking song. I know, we'd need to change the players out now, though. I know. If he was to come back. So I think of players that would fit, but I'm not going to waste time thinking about that. No, um, John Neal played under him. Yeah, probably. I think as a club, Sean, we are we're in a very weird space. We are we can't we're not in like a a Celtic or Rangers area where we can go and cherry pick a good manager from a lesser league who's you know doing really well a bigger team in a lesser league. You know, Van Bronckhorst comes to mind, Postacoglu comes to mind. I know whether people view those leagues as lesser leagues or not, I don't really care. Um, we're not of the stature of like a Celtic Rangers where these high-profile managers are going to want to come and manage us. There's a, I feel like there's a very, very small pool of potential managers that we could pick from and almost every single one of them is probably going to be a gamble. I mean, every single one of them will be a gamble, but a lot of them will be more of a gamble than, you know, what's available to Celtic, what's available to Rangers. Yeah. Um, Alan Duncan has then asked if we think LG should go, regardless of the fact that whether we think he will or or not based on the board. It's the same dross as last season dross as last season. Uh, we'll be fortunate to make top six and if St Johnston weren't so bad, we could be relegation contenders. Thursday is crucial. Uh Thursday is crucial as is next Sunday if we lose both he has to go. And I think 
that statement in between the question and the last statement is a bold, bold shout. And I would love to come back to you at the end of the season, Alan, and see how right or wrong that is. Well, I mean, he's not wrong. We could be relegation contenders, but we could be title contenders. We're in that space at the moment. It's bold. It's bold. Um, We are here for it. I think sometimes it's a bit of an overreaction. But, you know, we're, we're emotional. We're emotionally charged beings as football fans and especially as Hibs fans. So I don't blame people for throwing that out there. But I think now that, you know, I've had... I've had 24 hours to reflect on on yesterday and look at the goals back and stuff, watch the highlights. I don't think we're going to go down, but um, no, it's... You, you, know, you, you know what it's like you're saying, eh, when they get a bad result and you throw the knee jerk out there and you say lots of things that you look back on and you're like, oh my God. Sometimes I feel like I'm emotionally detached for Hibs, right? And then Do you we'll think get, that makes it easier for you to judge? I th- I've, well, I would like to think so, but some people might be listening thinking I talk a load of nonsense. I probably do think I talk a load of nonsense. And well, sometimes I think I do. that. Anyway, Sean. But so. I do at times feel like I'm emotionally detached from it now where I, where I was in comparison to maybe like two, three seasons ago. And there will then be a defeat and I'll, I'll just snap. And I'll be like, no, I'm clearly not emotionally detached <laughs> because I'll come on here and I'll rant about all sexy Celtics goals in great detail. So, yeah, it's it's hard. It is hard. Um, Derek Maguire has asked how that clown is still in charge. <laughs> um, and Liam is when, not your not your good self, unless it's your burner account, which has got four followers. Well, maybe uh, then. Well, it does, it does follow another Liam. Let's see. No, it follows Liam Collins. Right, okay. Uh, maybe it's his burner account. Something only this Oompa Loompa can do. And it's <laughs> a picture of the Lee Johnson masterclass, which it's not focusing in on. But well, I, think he had, I think he had a bit of a masterclass on Thursday night. So He did, he did. Fair play. Well, that is very funny calling him an Oompa Loompa. Um, my favourite question that came in on Twitter, though, was from Danger Mouse 1875. Who's that? Some you that gets called um, Super Dry. By his close friends and family, <laughs> or Andrew, um, by other people. Uh, yes, Big Colin has came in with a. I would like to know what everyone would choose on this question. Would the Ramble team make a better job of managing Hibs than Lee Johnson? And if so, who would be the manager, the assistant, the physio, and the water boy? Now, in the group chat, Mark has already said that he would be the water boy. He'd be the water boy. Um, what would what would your ramble layout look like? An answer I feel to like because I know what mine's would be. I feel like in terms of the way that the ramble is run, then it's me, the manager, me, the assistant manager. Um, the physio would probably be. Myself and the water boy Craig. The water no, boy. I think the water think, boy needs to turn up though, surely. That's true. Can't right. So it can't be Mark either. So you can be the water boy then, maybe. Just split all four roles. In all seriousness, I think um 
I don't know. I feel like Craig's football IQ is up there. That he probably could be an assistant. I think Craig. I think Craig would definitely put himself as a manager. I think Craig would put himself as a manager as well. I think you'd be a good assistant because you're the you're the arm around the boys. You're going, oh come on, you know, like Craig's a big, scary, ugly fucker who's who thinks he's in charge. Sean is the brains behind the operation. Instead of the physio, could I please be the chief vibes officer? Uh, that's fine. Can that's I, I? I'll do that. I'll I'll be like the team DJ, or and like stuff like that, or like the like the media guy. To be fair, I would have I would have had myself as the manager, and I would have had Craig as my assistant. If I'm being honest, um, and I would have had you as a physio because you seem like the type of guy that would like to touch touch people up <laughs> on the football pitch when they're kind of <laughs> injured. Um, and Mark, Mark would be the water boy, but I don't think it would be water he would be serving. If I'm honest, especially, nah. if, especially if we ran a football team. So that's I think that's a that's probably a, a good. It's a dangerous team. It's a dangerous team, but I think, I think it's, it's a dangerous team. I think I've been absolute. I've been done in here by saying I'm the physio. I think we need to swap the physio for chief vibes officer. That's what I'll do. I'll be the chief vibes officer. Sorted. Sorry, oh. Dad. I butchered your question, but fuck it. That's this is where we are now. We are the ramble. Um, just we'll move on to the the Instagram questions before we close. And if you haven't already get following us on, on our Instagram page because, by God, there is going to be some Switzerland content coming in your way over on, on the Instagram. Whether it'll be, whether you'll actually be able to use it or not, Sean, I'm not going to... Oh, I'll be putting it in there. If it needs to be blurred, it can be blurred, but it'll be no, getting No, even that, I, I don't think he'll be able to hold his phone upright. I'll FaceTime him and screenshot. And then that's how I'll get the content. There's no, <laughs> there's no way we're giving him the password to that. Um, but yeah, give us a follow on, on Instagram. We do loads of match day content, um, pre-post-match and things like that as well. Loads of good posts, so get involved. And we've got quite a lot of responses into some of the questions on there. Um, we ended the Twitter questions with your father and we'll start the Instagram questions with my father. Um, do you think having the European game on plus the league is stretching us for fitness and results? And I think it's a fair assumption because we seem to be relying on the same bulky players to try and get us the results who naturally are then going to be blown at their arse, aren't they? Can I just say that Martin needs to be a little bit more creative with his questions because compared to my dad's question, that is an absolute heap of shite. Sorry, Martin. And uh, I do agree with you, but it's true. Uh, Haley Young is went, what's the defensive solution? Who, who would your ideal back four be, Liam? I'd probably have Andre the Giant in there somewhere. Um, fucking hell. It's ideal back four. I think it's difficult at the moment. I know I've just said all this stuff about replacing Hanlon, the seams, and I think it's difficult to look past from what we've got available at the moment. Stevenson, Hanlon, Fish, Miller. I think it's difficult to look past that. Haley did also come in with, um, I guess this is a thought, saying, thought my delayed flight would be the worst part of my day. 
Turns out it was Hibs. Well, it depends how long you were delayed and where you were actually. If you were flying to holiday or flying from holiday, a delayed flight coming home is brutal. Yeah, we, need flight, bit, we need a little bit more context to understand how poor that is. A delayed is. flight going out to holiday, now that's an opportunity. That's becomes less brutal. And if you're delayed by, what, three, four hours, I mean, spend, think about the amount of money you'll spend in the pub, but think about the amount of time you're going to spend in the pub. Jeezy, babes, man. Uh, Jack Gillies came in, avid Leaf Seven wearer, which Top we appreciate Jack. and love. Um, Johnson is living on borrowed time, and the sooner we empty him, the better. It's bold. That is a strong opinion. That is a strong Jack, opinion, a very, very strong opinion. Jack um, Nicholson has then, um, how can we go from Thursday's performance to that LG out and two clown emojis? <laughs> and it sums up. Sums up everyone's thoughts. Uh, Rudy's then asked, Lee Johnson in or out? For me, loss against, um, Jesus Christ, loss against Luzerne, Wraith or Levy, then yes. Well, one of the three. Well, it implies one of the three. I initially thought he was implying, or they were implying all three. And I think it would be hard to come back from losing to all three, if I'm honest. I think it would be hard to come back to losing to all three, especially if a loss against Luzerne meant that we went out. If we lose against Luzerne 1-0 away from home, then I'm not particularly arsed. But um, if we lose against Luzerne 1-0 away from home, get beat against Wraith, get beat against Livy, then I think Lee Johnson's coat is going to be on an awfully, awfully sugarly peg because of the amount of um, pressure that the fans will probably quite rightly so put on the board. Yeah. Sean underscore HMFC 1875, uh, not my burner. HMFC? No, HFC. Oh, right. Not my burner Instagram account because it's got Sean spelt differently. Not consistent enough, only turn up for Europe. And do you know what, Sean? I wouldn't mind that. If we turned yeah. up in Europe from now until May and we were we inconsistent in the league, I would be delighted with that. Delighted. Um, Hybe Media replied with, we'll beat us shite. Um, well, I didn't watch the game, so I can't really tell what he did. Him and Lewis Miller, for me, got caught out quite a lot going forward, and I think that's just what comes with playing a three-five-two. Uh, it'll yeah. be a more more so, but that's probably because he's more used to playing in a front three rather than a back five slash three. Yeah, so, no, that's true. Yeah. Um, Nigel Instagram came in with is Livingston at home a must win what are your thoughts I believe it is lose the game and it's easy for us to be sucked into a bottom six scrap which is bold considering it'll be three games in but I get it especially if we lose confidence and motivation will be low and for me Johnson seems incapable of being able to lift his team well, especially if he's chucking them under the bus every week his <laughs> tactical decisions are mind baffling we are Heading for another season, not knowing what our best starting eleven is, or having any sort of system, it seems to be the case of putting them on and hoping for the best. Love the podcast, chaps. See this, you this same. Um, you don't know what your best starting eleven show is, and I get it. I do get it because obviously the the starting elevens have been chopped and changed from the start of competitive action, but. At the start of the season, every every team is like that. You've got um, players coming in left, right and centre, players leaving. Um, you've got a big kind of reshuffle on your hands at a lot of clubs at this level. So 
the fact that Lee Johnson isn't 100% on his best 11 at the moment, I don't think is, well, not for me anyway, it's not a massive worry. Um, in terms of the, the Livy is a must win, I think instead of a must win, it's a must not lose, um, depending on how the Luzerne and Wraith Rovers games go. I know it's going to be then our third game in the league, but I think, you know, if if we if we beat Luzerne, beat Wraith, I think we'll probably go on and beat Livy. Um, but if we get beat by Luzerne and maybe just scrape through against Wraith, then I think there's a whole different pressure added to that game. And it's something that we'll that we'll talk about when, when the game comes round. Yeah, great point. Um Callum McDonald to finish us up on um Instagram before we talk about another couple of important things before we wrap up. Uh, and as usual, three questions or three points he's made. Top man. And we're all here for it. Number one. Should we change the chairman as Lee Johnson is not putting in the results in the league or keep him for Europe and beat Luzerne next round? What did he say? Should we change the chairman? Mm-hmm. Go and repeat the question again. So I'm going to read it word for word, OK? Should we change the chairman as LJ is not putting in the results in the league or keep him for Europe and beat FC Luzerne next round? Do you think he means should we change the manager? Well, I would, I would hope not, because surely that would have been easier enough to ask rather than the chairman. No, sometimes I, sometimes I type things out that I really don't mean, like because I'm not paying too much attention. Oh, I do that all the time. Yes, yeah, so maybe that's just like that. If he means should we change the manager, I don't think so. Um, and if he means chairman. And if he means chairman, then... You also don't think so. <laughs> Probably not, I. <laughs> uh, number two, should we Hibs buy a new winger so we can have competition with Ellie Yuan? And he has hit us with Stuart McKinstry, 20-year-old, mm. is a free and would be a good option if Boyle gets injured, as well as he can play on the left. Yeah, McKinstry was good um, at Motherwell last season. He scored against us at Fur Park as well when we won... When Nisbet scored a hat trick, was it three two, three one, something like that. Um, so no, it was. I think we'd be daft, especially if you know there's half decent wingers going, you know, unattached without clubs. I think it would be silly of us not to explore, take a punt on one of them. You know, it's, if it's seems a bit strange though, still being unattached in the middle of August, though. Eh? I thought he would have been a a nap to go back to Motherwell, so. Who knows what's going on? There's a lot of players at the moment who are unattached, who, you know, there's not really been much said about where they're going. You know, thinking Minnellos, David De Gea. Take one for them. Great competition. I wouldn't mind having Minnellos at Hibs. And the last question, the last question, should Hibs look down south for loans like Chelsea or Liverpool that have good young talent? And I think, I was speaking to someone about this today, I think we're now going to see a lot of Scottish clubs explore the loan market now that the likes of us and Hearts have done a lot of business in recent weeks, Hearts especially. 
I think we're now going to be fighting out for similar loan type players. Um, I know well, they've got a right and centre half on loan, but yeah. I think now, between now and the end of the window, is if we can't get any more players over the line that we're maybe looking for, we might be looking to explore for maybe like a, a left back on loan, a winger on loan, a number 10 in the loan, especially if Melkerson's going out as well on loan. I think, yeah, I think historically, Sean, I think historically, you look at the loans that we've had from down south, these big teams, and historically they've not really been that good. You know, Daniel Boating, George Francom, Matt Doherty, um, Matt Thornhill, remember him? They all kind of come to mind, like, from big teams. So, but, I mean, that being said, you know, Will Fish last season uh, came in, did really well. Leighton Clarkson at Aberdeen came in, did really well. Um, I think Alex Cochran, when he first signed for Hearts, he was on loan from Brighton, is that right? And he did really well. Mm. Uh, and they managed to get him on a pair. So I think the quality that these big teams now have in depth in their academies is is a lot stronger compared to what it was, you know, you're looking maybe six, seven, eight years ago, um, probably, you know, even 10 years ago, we are, we're looking at, at players who are much more athletic, much more um, tactically aware, probably got a, a couple of first team appearances under their belts, maybe even been out on loan already. So I think it's definitely a market that we should be tapping into. Yeah. Now, if you've made it this far into the episode, we love you. And well done, because uh-huh. this is a long one. Yeah, we, we appreciate you a lot. And if you appreciate us, which you clearly do if you've made it this far, Liam's got a couple of things to finish us off, and then that will be us. Until yes, that will be us. we catch you on the YouTube Live on Thursday night. Yeah. Not in Switzerland. Absolutely. Right, so... We gave you an update, Game Week 1, Fantasy Football League, last week. Now we will have a wee look at the updated table, um, see any movement uh, between the weeks, and then, yeah, we'll just have a wee look. So, last week, we saw a top five of Hybees for Europe, El Bozo FC, Wilfish HSC, What's the Story, Ross McCrory, and Sunny Eleven. And this week, we have a top five of <laughs> I Caramba Umba Chumba FC with 75 points, a 27 point gain. Well, uh, on, That's impressive. On last week, so they must have maybe captained, yeah, Captain Tavernier, Vice Captain Furahashi, so that's where the points are coming from. McGinn and Tonic, uh, Dan Taylor's team, have moved into second place. Uh, sorry, I said that 75 points was the top. That's not right. They're on 130 points. McGinn and Tonic, Dan Taylor's on 129 points in second. Hybees for Europe has dropped down two places into third. Uh, he's on 124 points. Fourth uh, is Ross. What's the story, Ross McCrory? He drops down two places uh, and fourth uh, on 123 points. And rounding off 
the top five is Tim Odds, 16, moving up four places. And that is him on 120 points. Biggest mover this week is, I think it is ahead of the Neto, moving up 36 places. That is incredible. Um, and when it comes to the Ramble, Craig is just ahead of me in 27th. I'm behind him in 20, 28th. Uh, seven clothing, that's you, isn't it, Sean? Yeah, I'm down in 40th. You're sitting in 40th, and I don't think Mark's, Mark's got a team. No. Um, so, Craig is the leader for the Ramble at the moment. So, thank you so much, everyone who's uh, updated your team for game week two, and best of luck for game week three. But not too much luck, because I also want to win. And that wraps us up, Sean. What a time to be alive. One no. one hour and 28 minutes, 40 seconds. No emails being sent. No oh, emails. yes. Emails as well. Email list. We, um, we've started sending out uh, our email newsletters, so we're trying to we're trying to send out maybe a couple of week um, to our listeners just to get a little bit more interaction and and get to know you a little bit better. Um, we've got you know some email exclusive discounts on Lead Seven, stuff like that. Um, you know some email email content that you're only going to get if you're subscribed to the emails. It's completely free. I'll pop a link down in the description on YouTube and the description or bio or whatever it is you're listening to um, on Spotify, Apple or anything like that. Um, you can also get to it through our Twitter as well and our link tree. So if you want to get you know a couple of emails a week from the Hibs Ramble, um, they're just nice and short, nice short to the point. We're not trying to sell you anything or anything like that. Just want to keep you as updated as to what we're doing as a podcast and we want to kind of connect with you as well. So if you want to get uh, if you want to get, start receiving those emails, sign up and uh, simple as. And for those that got the first, is it the first email that came out? For those that got the first email, there's a... I'd viewers would have noticed that there was a teaser in that email about oh, our next seven drop, yeah. Lead 7 drop. So I can't remember the number of how many people got that, that email, but there was a fair few numbers that got and subscribed and signed up for the emails. So yeah. for those that got them, if you haven't already clicked on that link, yeah, have a wee look and get involved. There's a wee teaser. You might know what's coming up. Big. Oh, we're not going to tell anyone else. So if you didn't sign up, you need to sign up. Yeah, if you didn't sign up, sign up and you'll be getting some, you know, kind of exclusive content that we're not putting out on other socials and stuff. So we want to connect with you a little bit better. And that's the main reason that we're doing it. And that's me. That's my updates. Thanks for coming, Liam. Well, thanks so much for having me, Sean. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you for the last hour and a half. Thanks for making it this far. And if you're going to Switzerland, safe travels. This will definitely cover your whole flight, this whole episode. Yeah. The whole flight. Safe travels there and back. And, and if you see Mark, well, if you see Mark, buy him a pint. And get 
the most unique thing on the menu and we'll review it. Yeah, send please send, send your, your pictures of uh, Matchday Scran and if you're wearing your Leith 7 over to Switzerland, if you're going, then make sure and send us some pictures of that as well because we would love to see it. And enjoy your night and we will see you next week. We will and we'll see you on Thursday. So, cheerio, bye. Bye-bye. Take care. Cheers. Let's get ready to rumble.